something curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal Extra, second month of the year, that means it's February and we can't do the night sky and the guide and everything else without Ross Hockham who should be on the other fader, how you doing sir? Just got over a chest infection, as I've heard you had as well. Yeah, well you, d- you didn't get it from me, not unless it's no, transferable no. down a microphone, I don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> I, I apologise if there is a cough for it all. Mark will do his best to cut it out because he's good, but <laughs> I've got a glass of water here, so it should help. But I am ready. I'm here and I'm ready. Excellent. So what's been happening for you? The main thing for me is the uh, mobile observatory. You remember we won some money, didn't we? Quite a bit of money for the charity. So I've now gone around and looked at vans and found some size vans that are good and actual vans. I think we've got a choice of two that we're going to go for. And then literally yesterday, I went and met a load of people who are going to convert the van for me. They're called Shred and Butter. The butter's spelt B-U-T-T-A. And you looked them up, didn't you? You had a little look on their website. Yeah, they're pretty impressive. They're in Surrey, so I'm in Milton Keynes. So I went down on my motorbike for the day, went and saw them, said hello. Fantastic bunch of guys. Really nice, really friendly. Showed me around the whole site. And then we sat down and sort of drew a rough plan of what they can do for us. So the van is looking pretty cool. It's got to be practical, but it's got to be a showpiece. It's got to have a little wow factor. So he got completely exactly what I was kind of like going for. It's like, what I don't want to do is just you buy a van and all we do is wrap it and fill it. And all you've got is a van. Said, so we need to make it a bit more fun and cool and do stuff to it. So I won't tell you any more. I've got to get the van first. So I've got to get that by the end of next month, hopefully. Have it delivered, take it down there for them to uh, play with. And as it's there, they actually post pictures on their uh, Facebook group of the van as it's being built for me. So I have my own album there. Cool. So we can actually share that with everyone who voted for us, with all the people that have donated money, so they can see this van being built and becoming a mobile observatory. So that's, for me, that's even cooler. So now it feels like everyone's getting involved. We did look at Luton vans at first because they're a nice big square, easy to play with sort of van, but they're expensive because a tail lift would be awesome on the back because, you know, you can lift up the big heavy scopes that we've got and things and put them in. Yeah. But there's a lot of, it's a lot of maintenance and a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So we've ended up looking, I'm looking at the moment at VW Crafters and uh, I looked at Mercedes a bit, but they're a little bit more pricey for what we're after. And we looked at Ford as well. So there's the Ford New Transit. So it's kind of between the Ford New Transit and the VW Crafter. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be biased or anything like that, but the VW Crafter seems to be the one that has what we want. I mean, I've got a Skoda, which technically is a VW, and that hasn't let me down yet. The guys there said they were good. I've just got to now decide on there's three different lengths and three different heights, and you can interchange as you please. Oh, wow. So now it's kind of like, right. So I don't think we're going to go for the longest. It's probably either going to be the medium. And then height-wise, it'll be nice to be able to stand. I think that's a must, actually, doing what you do. (laughs) Especially as now, from what the guys at Shred and Butter have been talking, they would like the scopes to be in there so that people can actually get into the van and see them there. Right, I gotcha. So they're all going to be in, like, cages that are see-through, because obviously it's got to be secure. And then, from what I've heard, they want to do, like, red light behind them. So that look at night, you can have them all in there, and people can just go in and see them, or during the day when we do park life and stuff. 
So I'll have a little bit of information up about each scope on there as well. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see how it goes, but that's the plan. We've got it there. So watch this space, basically. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully after Feb. So we're going to have a short break, and when we come back, let's go into February. Good morning. It's T minus 45 minutes until the final countdown commences. In less than one hour, if all goes according to plan, the three members of the Apollo 11 crew will blast off in their. My father's name was Edwin Eugene Aldrin. Has dreamt of mankind's greatest adventure. I became Buzz. Destination the moon. We look back at the Earth and watch it get smaller. Oh, it was beautiful. Apollo 11, this is Houston. I've got the morning news here if you're interested, over. Go ahead, Houston. An Irishman has won the world porridge eating championship by consuming 23 bowls of instant oatmeal. I'd like to enter Aldrin in the oatmeal eating contest next time. He's on his 19th bowl. <laughs> Roger. Human nature and curiosity is to explore the world around us. And the world around us includes way beyond. Go for landing, over. I do anything. Go for landing. Roger, 1202, we copy it. We're go. Same type. We're go. Okay, engine stop. We copy you down, Eagle. Beautiful view. The next generation of explorers should not ever give up. Did you know that right now we have a spacecraft orbiting the moon? The Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter has been at the moon for over seven years, providing unprecedented detail into our nearest neighbor in space. I'm Noah Petro, and for more information about the moon and the LRO mission, go to nasa.gov LRO and follow us on Twitter at LRO underscore NASA. On canvas with paint in the artist's school, it is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more and what is in sight, behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. So Ross, February. What happens in February? Many of you know there's a celebration, unfortunate for some. <laughs> some people love it, some people hate it. I'm on the fence. Is it the patron saint of card makers? That's the one. <laughs> yeah, so it's Valentine's Day. We know it's coming up. And as you said, it's kind of lost its original meaning in modern days, I think, really. Uh, the holiday has its origins apparently from a Roman festival held in mid-February, which is about the same. Uh, it celebrated the coming of spring. That's what it meant. And it included fertility rites and the pairing off of women and men by lottery. Whereas nowadays we tend to do keys in a bowl. <laughs> Things like that. Or buy loads of cars. So it's lucky for some, maybe not others, depending on, you know, who you get in your lottery. 
So I thought that was quite interesting. It then became a day for admirers to send secret messages to their loved one, which is what it was when I was a kid. When you were a kid, you used to send letters to the girl you fancied or something like that, but you couldn't have your name in it. So it was a secret admirer. Did you ever get one that you never ever worked out who it was from? No, I got one that was apparently from a girl. Turned out to be two of my mates. Have a laugh. <laughs> so I was very surprised to get one. And you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I don't really believe this. And then, yeah, after about two weeks, they told me it was them and were laughing at me and taking a mickey. So I was like, oh, no one loves me. The first Valentine cards were produced in the 1800s. And it's, as you know, it's now quickly turned into buy this for your loved one, take your loved one here, come here, buy this, do that. And it now seems to be spread to your loved ones are now your friends or your parents or your dogs or cats or guinea pigs. It's getting out of hand. Yeah. Yeah, they even do Valentine's <laughs> cards to send to your teacher, which I think is... Oh, that's a bit weird. That's a weird one. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I was a kid, yeah, there's some nice teachers. But <laughs> you do not cross that boundary. No. <laughs> that is highly illegal <laughs> and inappropriate. It definitely is. So what I'm going to do is go back to the real meaning, find maybe some romance in the skies, you know, you can take your missus out and treat her to something and make a, a night under the stars, if it's clear, hopefully. Now, uh, as I've, I've spoken before, and we've, we always talk about it, the obvious place to start for an astronomer is the story of Perseus and Andromeda. It's really well known, isn't it? It's, it's been in films, but people don't really know that it's up there in the sky. Although it's a story of love, it's also a story of vanity, both of which perhaps you might find around Valentine's Day. So to start the story... All you have to do is just look right up into the sky. Literally, I think straight above you, you'll see a sort of sideways W of bright stars, and that's Cassiopeia. I think we spoke about her before. She's a hugely vain queen, and it's quite an easy one to find, especially being right above you now. She was so vain that she actually boasted that her daughter Andromeda, who is sat to her right in the sky, was the most beautiful creature in the world. Maybe our ancestors could see the sort of fuzz of the large galaxy there, Andromeda, by eye. Maybe that's why they made her beautiful. Don't know. Cassiopeia even said that she was more beautiful than the sea nymphs of Poseidon, which by the Roman name is actually Neptune, so the planet. So that's actually part up there as well in the story. But Neptune's it is about, but it's quite dim. You won't be able to see it by eye. Now on hearing this, Poseidon was very unhappy, as you would be, because I think the sea nymphs were like his children or something. So he actually went and got Andromeda, tied her to the sea floor, where the sea monster Cetus, which is also known as the Kraken by the Romans, a very nice rum drink as well, but remember to drink responsibly. It was going to come up and devour her. So you see this is actually low in the sky, below Perseus, and isn't really a very bright constellation, but it's often depicted as coming up sort of towards Andromeda and Perseus from the sea floor, almost like the Jaws movie posters. Maybe that's where they got it from, so I like to look at it like that. It's quite cool. But it does, it looks more of a sort of long sea monster as opposed to, in the film, it's some sort of like weird big creature isn't it with arms and stuff and then in other ones it is literally just a big octopus or a squid and some of them it's just a big whale yeah yeah it was a big whale yeah so i think that's all to do with all the stuff they saw in the sea that they couldn't explain they just turned into creatures and things so he was coming up to eat andromeda but lucky for them perseus who's just below cassiopeia and above cetus came flying down on pegasus the flying horse which is actually attached to andromeda sitting just below her in the sky as a constellation. He just happened to be coming from slaying Medusa, which isn't in the sky, unfortunately, but I think some pictures may depict him holding that, which is another vain lady that was turned into a monster by her vanity. So she had snakes in her hair, and any man that looked upon her turned to stone. So 
don't be vain, I think is the main moral of this story. On hearing the plight of the kingdom, he flew down, pulled a head out of a bag, showed it to Cetus, which is a creature that apparently could not be killed by sword or spear or man or anything. This then turned him into stone, saving everybody in the kingdom. So a lovely story there. The King Cepheus, who literally sits opposite side of Cassiopeia in the sky. It's not that big or bright a uh, constellation, but there is some nice stuff to see in there. He gave away Andromeda to Perseus as almost like a thank you for saving the kingdom and my daughter and everyone. And they got married, living, well, not so happily ever after. But you can lie about that part if you like. Because I think the story goes on that Perseus eventually kills the king over a drunken argument not long after. So, <laughs> it doesn't all end well for the king. So anyway, once you've pointed out those constellations and got the story out of the way, said what there is you can actually see or to do with the story that's kind of romantic. Start at Cassiopeia, which is really easy to see, as I said, straight up. In between her and Perseus is a really nice double cluster of stars. They look really pretty and really bright blue. Not really got any romantic story about them from what I can find or see, apart from they look really cool and they look really nice and... They are close to two nebulas. So the nebulas, I think, are slightly to the left of them, depending on what you're looking at. If you have a very dark sky, you're a lucky git, because they are quite hard to see. But if you've got a camera lying nearby, as you would be, near the double, the heart and soul nebulas are there. So hence the romantic sort of jive I'm going for. Heart and soul. One of them actually does look like a heart not the sort of you know not a real heart because that would just be a bit weird and creepy it actually looks like the romantic heart so it actually looks like a heart shape and if you see pictures of it it's really cool so if you take pictures around the area you may get some of that detail come out if you're a bit of an astrophotographer but you can always say to the wife you know oh just to the left of them there's the heart and soul nebula that's what you are to me and all that sort of thing or buy a card pictures are amazing of them they're really cool if you're moving up to Cassiopeia now, so you're in between. She's littered with clusters. She's literally slap bang in the middle of the Milky Way. So if you carry on the line up over and across the sky, you'll be looking at an arm of our galaxy, the big Milky Way of stars, billions and billions of stars all over across there, especially with binoculars. So you're actually showing your loved one a part of our galaxy in which you are within. And you can tell her you're the most important thing to me in the galaxy and all that sort of thing, if you're into that. So as you go through, you end up getting to Cepheus the king, because you've gone from Perseus to Cassiopeia up to Cepheus. And if you look to his right, the star Polaris is just there. And that's the North Star. It's quite easy to find. You can use the plough. There's two stars on the plough, which will go straight up and point you to it if you can't find it. Now, if you've got binoculars or a telescope, look at the star. If you look for a moment, you will actually see there's another ring of stars, including Polaris. So it makes like a little ring. Now this is an asterism, which is like a small constellation, and it's known as the engagement ring. So it's a ring of stars with Polaris itself being the brightest, it's the diamond shining at the top. So it's great for those who are wishing to pop the question. You're very welcome. So, take your loved one out if clear. Instead of buying roses, chocolates, and all that sort of stuff, give them the experience of looking up at billions of stars, countless stories, watch the sunset, and don't forget that the goddess of beauty as well, Venus, is shining high and bright most of the month in the evening. So you can watch the sunset, see Venus, the goddess of beauty, look across Cassiopeia and Perseus, tell the story, see a few cool things, then pop the question with the engagement. Asterism. Job done. What else do you need in life? So what we'll do, Mark, as usual, I will pop a guide. I'll make a little guide 
that we can pop up for them. Because I know we always put the notes on, don't you, for me? You always chuck, chuck the notes on with the podcast. Uh, I'll do it. It'll be on our Facebook group as well. When we get near Valentine's, I'll stick it out there for fun. And on the website, www.ukastronomy.org. So if you want to try something new, go for it. I might give it a go. that we usually hear for is the month ahead aren't we and what's going on so we're quite lucky things start straight away so on the first the next two things i haven't seen yet so i'm going to try and get out hopefully it'll be clear get out and take pictures of them because then we can put them in the facebook and we can put them in notes and find them they're said to be there's actual face on the moon and it's not the usual man on the moon sort of face that everyone talks about but it's a new one for me and it's it's just above right of a huge crater called Tycho, which is at the bottom left of the moon it might be at the top if you're using a reflector but by there, there is a crater called, no, I love this, is another word. I'm going for Albertegenus. It's T-E-G-N-I-U-S. Albertegenus. That's what I'm going to go for. I quite like that. Sounds good. Sounds right. So we're sticking with that. You heard it here first. <laughs> so that is a crater there. It's not massive, but it's not small, so you can easily find it. As the sunlight hits it, it's going to look like a smiley face. So there's two other craters in there. And there's a lump as well that looks like a nose. And then the bottom of the crater almost looks like a smile. So as they glint across the top, it almost looks like there's a smiley face looking back at you. So see if you can spot it. I found it on Moon Globe HD, which is quite a good app you can get on your phone. And you can change it to the shadow to what date you're on, what time. And it gives you all the terrain as well and details and tells you what's there. I don't think it's got a search thing. So you will have to have a little hunt around. I did. But yeah, if you Google it, it comes up. I found it on Google as well. So that's something cool. You might see a smiley face on the moon. You go to the next day, so the second. There's another cool effect on the moon. It's quite an easier one to find, the crater Plato. It's at the top of the Mar Imbrium. So it's kind of like top left of the moon. And it's up there on one of the big dark planes right at the top. The shadow creates a sort of hook shape in the crater. So the shadow is glinting off the actual crater high walls and casting the shadow down into the crater. Again, I've not seen this myself yet, but from the pictures I saw, they say it looks like a hook. I think it looks actually more a bit like a sort of praying mantis's arm. So maybe there's a massive praying mantis standing on the top of the mountain or something. But it's quite cool to see. Something new. You can take pictures of it as well using your phone. You can stick them in the Facebook group. If I don't get it, you might be able to get it. It'd be cool. You might be able to use your picture. So that's two things you can see. On the fourth, there's a lot of moon stuff going on at the moment. It's not going to be far from uh, the Hades cluster, which is a V-shaped cluster. That's the bull's head. It's really nice to see this time of year. It's really cool. And if you actually look at the moon itself, you've got the jeweled handle, which we've spoken about before, haven't we? Yeah. It's uh, an area, it's called the Jura Mountains, and it's to the left of Plato, and it kind of sticks down into the same mare that we were at, and it just glints off the top of these mountains. It really does look quite good, because you've got the dark background behind it of the mare, and it sticks out into it. The next day, the fifth, if you found the jeweled handle, literally look at it again, and right down at the bottom of it where it's sticking right out is the Moon Maiden that we now know quite well. We didn't know her at all, but now she's there sitting at the end of the range. Reflectors are great because they flip it upside down, so she's not upside down. She's actually up the right way. But you can get pictures of her. I managed it just using my phone. So there's the Moon Maiden as well. 
On the 8th, if you've missed Venus, where have you been? It's the brightest thing in the sky. It's ridiculous. As soon as the sun sets, it's right there and it's absolutely stunning. So just after sunset, on the 8th is a really great time to spot it, apparently. It's about 70% lit for a telescope, so you can actually see some of the... It almost has, like, you know, the phases they have because it's in between us and the sun. So that's really cool to see, and it just might be towards its highest point or its brightest point, and it's going to start going back in. The 9th is a full moon. And it's close to perigee or perigee or perigee, whatever you want to call it. Pretty much closer to us. Looks a little bit bigger, apparently, in the sky. And they always say it's known as like a super moon. But it isn't really that super. It's just the moon. But it's cool. Because as it rises, you know, you get the effect of all the atmosphere. And it comes up really big. And it looks cold and yellowy and misty and good for pictures. And just below it. I believe the star Regulus is there as well, so that's a nice bright blue star, and it's known as the Regal Star. So you can have the moon and the star in a picture if you like. Next down the 10th, Mercury, the first planet, reaches its furthest point from our sun in the sky. So it's a good time to spot it as the sun sets. Be careful, don't look at it. It'll be quite low down, but you may spot Mercury just there. It's like a little white dot sitting there in the afternoon sky. Then we move about a week now onto the 18th and a crescent moon will be sat quite close to the God of War, Mars, in the morning sky. It's starting to come up more and more and more in the morning so we can see it better. So just before sunrise you can see a nice slick crescent moon and a nice red blob of Mars. The next day, 19th, the moon heads back in the sky towards Jupiter in the morning again. Jupiter is quite low, not really far from the sun, so be careful if you're going to try and have a peek at it. Don't accidentally get the sun in your eyes because that won't be good for anyone. Moving on to the 21st, if you've been following the comet that we spoke about last month, C2017T2 Panstars, it's not far from the Muscle Man cluster. Sometimes you have to put it into your app if you've got an app like Stellarium that shows you the skies. It's NGC743. That should pick it up where it is. So in Cassiopeia, funnily enough, well, you should have looked on the 14th or around that date. Go a pair of binoculars and look around the constellation. See if you can spot like a fuzz there. I've been told you can see it in binoculars. I don't think you can see it with the naked eye. I've seen pictures as well that people have got on the Facebook group. So it's there and there is a little comet flying around Cassiopeia. See if you can find it. On the 26th, you have to get up early to see if you can spot Jupiter again in the low morning sky around 6.30am. The moon Callisto, its shadow, is going to sort of move across the planet, ending at about 9.38, but then it'll be daylight. So it is quite challenging, it is quite low, and the sun is coming up, so be careful again. But you might be able to see it there in the morning if you're up for that. And then last but not least, 27th and 28th, the crescent moon won't be far from the planet Venus so when the sun sets, you have a really cool crescent moon and Venus, and then it will move slightly to the other side of it. Really nice for pictures and also to show the kids and stuff. It's kind of like you've got the two brightest things in the sky right next to each other, although the moon won't be too bright because it's still a crescent. And yeah, that's pretty much the month sorted. So as always, I'll put the notes up. Well, Mark puts the notes up. I can't take the glory for that. I send him these notes. Mark does all the hard work. Once I finish talking, he does everything else. But I'll put the guides up for each of what's going on here as they happen throughout on the facebook and stuff like that so yeah happy hunting and happy valentine's day by roses excellent now have uk astronomy got any events coming up this month uh yeah i've got dunstable downs and i have got Stowhouse. so two really nice big awesome events there and really nice venues both of them pretty much sold out within a day or two of being up so i'm really stoked about that that's fantastic and there is another one for the next month that went up 
at uh, the Parks Trust nearer me in Milton Keynes and that got sold out as well within a day or two. So it just shows that people are really, really keen and interested on wanting to go out and do stuff, which for me is fantastic. So it's really nice to have them all sold out, which means I can teach so many people about what's going on. So yeah, Dunstable Downs, even if you can't go to the event, just go up to Dunstable Downs one night if you're around that area and sit up there. It's a really nice place. They do have a visitor centre. I'm not sure what time it closes, but you can watch the sunset literally set right there and it looks stunning, especially with Venus up in the sky and go that night that the moon's there as well. Take the kids there for hot chocolate and Stowe House, well, it's a mansion. Really nice place to go and see. I don't know what time they close, but the backyard of Stowe House and looking out there, wow, it's just stunning. So even if you can't come to the events, just go there yourself and have a look and see the sunsets and watch the stars come out because they're nice dark skies. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Fantastic to have you back on the show again. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. I didn't cough too much. <laughs> so hopefully it won't be too much editing. There's a couple there. Well, we look forward to see you in March. I have to get right in, find out what's going on. Obviously, we're going to have the February episode of TGP Nominal coming out haven't got a clue what we're doing with it yet i haven't spoken to john since before christmas so could be anything then yeah it could be all manner of different things we haven't done a space episode for a little while so maybe we should get something out with a few news stories and whatnot that leaves me with one thing left to say and that is take care one and all thanks for listening and i'll speak to you all again real soon well that about wraps it up for this episode of tgp nominal If you want to get in touch with us, then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.